So the idea of this series specifically yeah. for me was that I wanted to interview like people from our class just within the first year of graduating to see like what you've learned, what you do differently, what yeah. you'd say to somebody who's graduating now that would make a difference for them. Because yeah. we didn't have that. No, no. And I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not mistakes, are they? They're just like learnings. Yeah, I like that. You're very good at training. <laughs> you sure you don't want to go into psychology? <laughs> well, it feels like you are when you're an osteopath. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hi, everyone. So today I'm joined by Bethany Elliott or Beth. It's very strange calling you Bethany. Yeah, I've that's never called you Bethany. Name. <laughs> is it? Okay, we'll stick to that then. So I'm joined today by um, Bethany Elliott, who is an osteopath and has lots of different hats. So I'm really excited to talk to you because we obviously were in class together for yeah. four years. Yeah. Gosh, that feels like a long time. Yeah. Um, and then we graduated together as well. So that was fun. And we lived together for a year. And we lived together. How did we survive all of that? Yeah. Just about. We just survived it. <laughs> so what I wanted to talk to you about was, so we both studied at the British College of Osteopathic Medicine. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to get sort of your take on what it was like studying, what you've, you know, what you've learned afterwards, what you do sort of retroactively in terms of learning, what you've developed and mm. all of that. This is going to be such a fun conversation. Mm, yeah. So what was your experience sort of like, after after BCom? I would say I've had a pretty good experience after BCom. I was lucky enough to get a job straight out of graduating. So I managed to have like a little bit of a summer, a few weeks off and then went straight in, in towards like the end of August. So I'm coming up to a year in my job, which seems crazy, what with everything that's been going on in the world. Um, so I've been working in a clinic in Southeast London. Um, and it's an employed position, which is a little bit different to what normal, like what you would think normal osteopaths do. Like I was always under the impression that osteopaths were always self-employed, but um, for me to be able to stay in London, I needed some like regular income. So I was found this position that was employed. So I've been working at a clinic now for, yeah, coming up to a year and it's been quite an amazing like experience interesting I've learned loads the clinic's been super supportive um, it's quite a big clinic which in a way has been like really good so you've um, there's maybe like 10 or 11 other osteos all with like differing experience um, all treat in different ways so when I first my first like month and a bit in the clinic we did like a bit of an induction week um, where I kind of learned the runnings of the clinic. Um, I was told to go and observe all of the different osteopaths so I could see how they treat, um, which that was really interesting actually, because in clinic um, at BCom, you kind of would only ever see um, how your tutors treat, like in a short glimpse, and then how your like buddy would treat. And um, that was around about it, because we wouldn't really we would treat each other, but it would kind of be in like a casual way. So that was really eye-opening and you nick a few techniques of what other osteopaths do. Um, so yeah, really supportive. And the, my manager, like the clinic director, he would put on like every two weeks, every four weeks, like a little one-to-one -one session, see how 
I was getting on if I had any questions about any patients that were coming in or just to see how I was settling in. So it was kind of like a really nice progression from um, BCOM clinic life because that was kind of like very much handholdy. Um, so I felt like I wasn't, well, I was kind of like jumping at the deep end because you've not got your phone that's normally in the clinic room at BCOM. You can't just call your patient to come in when you don't know what's going on. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's good. I think, is that what the question you asked? I've completely forgot. What you asked. And more. So one of the things you said was that obviously there was this transition from when you're in a student clinic where you can literally call a tutor in and yeah. like five minutes are there and you're like, so this is my patient, this is the presentation. And then yeah, you yeah. you're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and well, what's that like? How, yeah. What was that transition like for you from being sort of in this very safe, very contained environment yeah. to literally being thrown in the deep end? Because if I remember correctly, you were busy from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, the clinic that I work in is really busy. Um, so, uh, which is good in a sense. So in my first week, I can't remember how many patients, but I had loads of new patients coming in. Um, and yeah, I remember my, like maybe like my fourth or fifth initial consultation and I had no idea what was going on. There was like a few like neurological components going on and I was just like, oh God, I need like, I need that breathing space. You know, where you could just walk out the room, take a moment, like get some ideas from the tutors as well, but you can't, you can't do that at all. You can't just be like, hold on a minute. I'm just going to go outside, <laughs> take a few breaths and come back in again. Um, so that was, yeah, quite difficult. You have to just, like uh, my mum my always used the phrase, you've got to fake it until you make it. So you, <laughs> I was kind of just bluffing my way through it. Um, so yeah, that, it was, yeah, a little bit tricky. But I think you've just got to have like, be confident in your own abilities and that you've been studying for this for four years. And that if anything is like red flaggy, just be like, okay, this is what what was Tom Hewitson saying? If it quacks like a duck or that kind of thing, yeah. then it's a duck. But if it is, I can't remember the saying. But yeah. if it seems like it's a little bit odd, okay, just flag it up and don't treat or treat conservatively and then get the appointment out of the way and done and then go and do your research afterwards. Yeah. Um, I remember, I mean, we have, we sort of observed each other a little bit in clinic mm. dead, and I was always impressed by how good you were because you always came across oh, really confidently and you were in control of the situation even though in your head you were probably like running around yeah. now thinking okay yeah. how do all these symptoms add up what's the differential what am I testing for you yeah. always made it seem like you were calm cool that's nice to know because sometimes on the inside like you said it's like oh whoa what's happening here yeah, so it never <laughs> came good. across like you were like oh I don't know what's going on so there was this one patient that I had probably within my first few weeks and I didn't know what was happening at all it was a really strange presentation he'd done something like the patient had done something in the night and like yeah it was just a bit strange like on his like mechanism of injury and I was like I have no idea and I, I panicked a little bit and I was like I knew that my colleague was in the room next door and he didn't have any um, patients so I was like 
I'm just going to go and talk to my like a senior osteopath I said like I just panicked just like a senior osteopath and I went out and I and he like kind of calmed me down a little bit and he was like it's fine there's nothing like red flaggy going on here just do this have you done this have you done this and or, and then do this you know just giving me a few tips and I could go back in and then I kind of like bluffed it but not really very well and the patient didn't rebook in and and I was a bit like disheartened but then also like okay cool I don't have to treat that person because <laughs> I don't really know what's going on but I remember then going and speaking to my like clinic the clinic director about it for some advice and he was like yeah don't give me a few tips on like how I shouldn't really say senior osteopath and I should have just said to speak to my colleague and um I think I've been really lucky in a sense that the my like colleagues around me have been super supportive so that they've been able to tell me like yeah you did okay in that in that like scenario but but you could have done this and this and this and how important is it for you to have sort of and I I, I, I completely hear what you're saying by saying senior because that's what I would go to because we've gone from yeah. students yeah to being osteopaths and there's no there's this weird transition where you're like mm. oh I'm in charge now mm. I'm in charge of my caseload I'm in charge of my clinical reasoning no one's yeah. gonna you know, check up and make me sign notes. Like obviously yeah, our notes yeah. are signed. That's what I mean. But like when we're in student clinic, the tutor has to sign off your notes. Yeah. Just everyone's wondering, we're doing everything legally. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so this weird transition and how important was it for you in choosing sort of like where you wanted to work and having other practitioners in the same practice? It was really important. Um, I didn't want to go off on my own straight away and do my own thing because I felt like I still had so much more to learn um, and I, I needed that like extra bit of support or input just to, I don't know, just to build my confidence really. Um, and it has been like super valuable to be in a place where there are lots of osteopaths, like I said, with lots of different experience. And it's not like we talk about our patients all the time, but if you do have a query, then there's somebody there who can talk things through with you. Because I think that's something that I've learned over the past year is that I'm not meant to know everything. I'm not meant to understand everything. Um, and that's okay. Like I don't have to be like the top of the top, all knowledgeable, know exactly what's happening in every patient that comes in. Um, and that it's okay to go and ask for help and get advice off people. Um, so yeah, that was a really important aspect for me when looking for places to work, that there'd be like, kind of like a mentoring-y type, um, not role, but somebody there to mentor me or help me if I was in need. Yeah, because the reality is there's so much more we can learn. And mm. that will come mm. with time. Yeah. Because we've just brushed the surface of it, really, during that four years. Even though that four years is, like, really intense and you learn so much, there is still, like, I don't think the phrase is, like, a knowledge gap, but there's, like, an experience gap. Absolutely. So, yeah. Because they rammed a lot of knowledge into us, I think. <laughs> yeah. We were full on, five days a week. Yeah. You know, with lectures. And then, and then you, I always loved, because... I remember exactly where you'd sit in the library. Yes. So it's not like we were dusting around after lectures. We finished lectures, we went to the library. So yeah, not a normal uni experience, was it? Absolutely not. And I mean, 
I know you had um, done a previous sort of um, your previous experience at sort of higher education as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. I'd done, obviously I'd done a psychology degree before this and there was no comparison. Like I had days off before I had mm. time, I had, I had ample time. And one of the other things you were talking about was having a salary position. Obviously, in London, how expensive it is here. Mm. Um, that was quite important for you. Did you find that there were loads of salaried positions available? I think, I think when I was looking, this was the only one that I could find that was salaried. And I think, like, um, some um follow some of the like facebook osteo groups and from looking on there um recently and like over the past few months there's i've only seen like a, a like a small handful of other salaried positions um a few in london and then it looked like there was a few further up north like in scotland so i think there yeah there's not many um and I think there's like, obviously there's loads of reasons why there's not many quite, I think you have to be quite a big practice to be able to afford to put people on salary. It's mm -hmm. not cheap. Um, but yeah, I needed like the financial stability for my first year at least so that I could afford to live in London. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting being on a salaried <laughs> role. <laughs> You obviously don't get paid as much as what you would if you were self-employed. Like the split, you, you do lose out on quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of decided that for my first, second year, first, maybe second year of working, that I would prefer to be in a bigger practice where I'd get more experience, see more patients. Like I, I, I don't really know what other people in our year, how many patients they're seeing a month, but... Um, since like the whole of June, I saw like um, 150, had 150 treatments last month, which for me like was quite exhausting, <laughs> but was good. And I think if you're in a smaller clinic, you might not see as many patients. I don't know. So I feel like I've got more experience that way, but not necessarily getting paid as much as what I would do if I was self-employed. But I mean, I decided to take that. It's not really a financial hit, but like a... It's like an opportunity uh, cost. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And so yeah. thinking back, would you still have gone for a salaried position? Um, it's so tricky to say because it's all about like where you work and the job. Like I did have the option for this job that I'm in now to at the beginning to go self-employed first and then they rolled out everyone in the company to then go on to an employed like contract from March um, just because the business was changing and everything. So I did have the choice, but I decided to take the employed position right from the beginning. And looking back at it now, I think, why didn't I take the self-employed at the beginning? But I think I just was nervous about not having like not, having enough patience but actually I was super busy anyway so um but I think yeah it's a really that's a really tricky like question yeah. um because it really is like dependent on where you're working are will I would you be busy and that's so hard to know like you can't really d say like oh yeah you're gonna have 
however many patients a day or however many patients a month. So, yeah. yeah. I totally get that because in that first year or two, like it's just developing that experience and developing, yeah. seeing the patterns with patients and just mm -hmm. recognizing them and being mm -hmm. able to not just treat, but treat effectively as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you're on this, uh, on a, well, the typical model is a self-employed sort of model within the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's a lot more volatile. You don't yeah. know how much you're going to earn a month, especially, you know, um, if you have like things like a mortgage or car payments and things like mm -hmm. that, like, or mm -hmm. what's going to happen in like, yeah. for example, December where, where there's Christmas holidays and people are away and people don't really have that disposable income to spend on healthcare. Yeah. I mean, yeah. good, but you know, we know differently, but yeah. it's, it's so much more volatile because I'm in a similar situation where I have a salary position and yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't make as much and, but you have that financial stability. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, like I said, that was like, for me, that was an important thing. And to be in a place that like, where I'm able to grow, like as an osteopath, but also like, like within the osteopathic prof profession, but then also within like my own like profession in terms of like, not just being good at osteopathy, but being able to learn how to run a business or um, manage like um, colleagues, not colleagues, but yeah, like, yeah, manage a business in a way. Um, yeah. And that was what this practice that I'm working at now was is able to offer me whereas if working at like a smaller clinic because i don't know if there's so much room for growth in all the different other aspects so that's really interesting because obviously i don't work in private practice myself so i haven't seen that other side but yeah. in private practice i can imagine like you hit a certain threshold and then where do you go from there do you negotiate yeah. a percentage split yeah and where's yeah, financial, that's great, but where's the growth with that? Where's the opportunities yeah. with that? Do you work for different clinics? Do you work for multiple clinics? Do you work for one clinic? Whereas it sounds like in a bigger practice like yours, there's a lot more opportunity for growth. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. like on the business side of things and not necessarily just on the osteopathic side of things. Exactly. And that was what was really important for me. And I think also for me getting the job, uh, my managers bosses who interviewed me said that yeah we could see that you're not just here just for the osteo and just for us to feed you patients you want to be part of the business as well which probably like good to say in your interview <laughs> for those that are new <laughs> graduates <laughs> interested in like the business growing and not just yourself growing and like what you can give back to the business yeah um, you talked about sort of like at one point, you know, treating loads of patients in a given month. And I imagine sort of pre-COVID, that would have been even more. Um, uh, no, actually, I've treated more post-COVID than, like June has been my biggest month, which is crazy. That's so interesting. Why do you think yeah. that is? Um, I think it's because, so we've done like, coming back to work, we've done a phased reopening in terms of, there's, I don't know, 10, 11 osteopaths that work at the clinic. And I was part of the phase one where only four osteos came back and I was the um, only female. So I think that might be, I think that is the reason why less osteos and more patients. So. Yeah. so how do you manage like treating for that longer period of time? How those many patients in terms of your hands, your body, like I get tired. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, my hours, like I work long days. I work nine till eight, which is like a long, yeah. Yeah. It's taking its toll. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, it's taking its toll. Um, from, so I was kind of getting, I was really glad that lockdown happened in a sense, because I was getting to a point where I was just a bit quite exhausted. Um, and my work-life balance wasn't quite on level. Um, and the nine weeks, like, even though it was a nervous and scary, what with everything that was going on in the world and like not much control over it and just like sort of quite overwhelming. Um, it was nice to have, I think in the end I had nine weeks off doing not really very much. <laughs> Once we sorted like finances out and everything and luckily because it was employed, we could go on to like, a we were able to go on to furlough. Um, then I was able to just calm down and relax and like rejuvenate in a way um but yeah coming back and working those long hours it is tiring like i just have to make sure that um i put in breaks like i was because we we're in control of our like schedule on clinico every three patients i'd put in a 15 minute break um and I was getting into a really good habit of that actually before lockdown. And then since lockdown's happened, we're adding on actually in for every patient there, there's a 10, 15 minute gap after so that we have enough time to clean the room, sort the room out. Um, so that gap is like a saving grace really it gives me a bit of like breathing time to calm down from like that, the patient and get into like a clear headspace and then, bring the new patient in but it's definitely like my own self-care needs to be worked on <laughs> yeah we need to get you like a mud mask or something because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i was having a conversation with work colleagues about sort of this balance of sustainability where yeah. okay and where you know you can do those 12, 13 hour days, but how long can you actually do that for? Before yeah, you sustainability. Out? Yeah, yeah. And that's a phrase that like keeps coming into conversation recently is like burnout. Like you need to be careful that that doesn't happen. And doing the, the long days, you leave the house at like seven, eight and you don't get back till nine. It's like, it's definitely not sustainable. Um, well, my bosses are good in the sense that, like, I'll just have really honest and open conversations with them. Like, before we came back to working after lockdown, I, like, rang my bosses and I was like, look, I'm nervous about coming back because I'm nervous about getting tired. And, like, it, I want to be able to be committed to the business and, and, and work and do my hours, but it needs to be sustainable so I can not just do it, like, for a few months, but keep doing it for a few years. Um, so we're all like in conversation and they're always happy to hear what we have to say and they make changes accordingly if they can. Um, but yeah, it's still something that I need to put a bit more effort into. <laughs> yeah, check in with yourself every yeah, yeah. Because like treating and talking to patients every day, I, sometimes I complain, I'm like, 
oh, I wish I just had a normal desk job where I could just be in the office and it doesn't matter if I'm late. It doesn't matter if I'm 10 minutes late. Um, there's no one waiting for me and I could just sit down. And if I get a little bored on my computer, I can just log on to the internet and do some own like personal admin stuff and then log back off and then do a bit of work. Whereas with osteopathy, it's so full on. Like if you've got a full list of patients, like as amazing as that is, it's also like, super tiring because you have to be on the ball listening engaging with the patient and like caring for them and showing that you empathize with them from like nine up until eight o'clock like that is exhausting um, you have to be and, the same with your first patient as with your yeah, last patient yeah 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 and I, yeah i remember in my um like first few months the patients that would come in at like six seven o'clock they were not getting <laughs> a good show like i would get my left and rights confused i'd start like calling the shoulder the elbow like i just get all my like anatomy mixed up and it was just because i was tired i was just because in bcom clinic we were nowhere near as busy you know like because there was a few changes in the clinic so we didn't have that many nhs patients anymore so we were seeing maybe like two or three patients a session if we were lucky yeah. to going to seeing like 10, 11 patients yeah. a day is like a big change. Yeah. And especially during the summer clinic for me, I don't know if you were mm. in the first half, the second half, but in the first half we were, it was, we were book solid. Yeah. And so we were seeing those 10 patients a day and luckily, I mean, we were only at, in clinic about three, four days a week at summer. Yeah or something yeah and even on the days that we weren't in there i literally would just stay in bed and cocoon myself because yeah. i was freaking exhausted yeah 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 but we don't have that option now you have to get up the next day and go to work and mm. you know be an adult and mm. suck yeah. sometimes yeah. sometimes i'm like cycling to work and i'm like oh i really don't want to do this i don't want to do this like i didn't really believe in monday morning blues but like now i totally get it <laughs> like the weekends aren't long enough and you get to work and it yeah my mom always said like just don't try not to think about work until you get to work because as soon as you get there it's fine like you can do it you know that you can do it as soon as you you're with your first patient it's just like normal again like it was like midweek but absolutely and i'm so appreciative of having this type of conversation because a lot of what you see on instagram and any other social media is people being perky and brilliant yeah. and i love my job but yeah. sometimes i have bad days i'm tired yeah. you know yeah. i haven't eaten right i haven't exercised so i'm just lethargic yeah. and that's not what people are posting obviously for obvious reasons but i really appreciate having this kind of conversation because mm. no one's saying this stuff Mm, mm. And it's, yeah, it's like, hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and it's like right. right day at clinic, and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a it was a mediocre day. Yeah, and I did good stuff and bad stuff, and yeah, that way itself and balance out. But yeah. I'm gonna have some chocolate tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna quickly eat some like baked beans on toast and then get into bed. <laughs> And that for me was the thing, because obviously my hours aren't as long as yours, but for me it was the commute that would almost yeah. come. It was like almost two hours each way. And yeah, no, I would you, actually come home, hard. shower, crawl into bed. I'm like, I didn't want to eat. And obviously, you know, it's like you said, it's mm -hmm. the self-care. It's, it's mm -hmm. taking care of all these different aspects of your life. You know, mm -hmm. the social, the mental, the physical, 
the, mm. you know, relationships if you're in one, you know, it's all these mm. other caveats that just sort yeah. of fall away at the side because it just becomes about work and you can't yeah, do ever that. consuming. Yeah. And, and, and since being back after lockdown, I found that like during lockdown, I was like ringing my friends like every week, you know, I was catching up with everyone. And then it was like, six weeks after we'd been back to work and I was like I'm so sorry I haven't called you <laughs> I've been so busy and then at the weekends and then even in the evenings because I get I get back so late I don't want to call anyone and in the weekends I just want to be like not really doing much because talking to patients and being engaging with patients all week is like mentally exhausting you're just like at the end of the day you don't want to talk to, talk to anyone and I feel sorry <laughs> for my partner Finn who's just like oh how was your day I'm like yeah fine <laughs> that's so funny because I have a similar thing not that I have a partner named Finn but um, obviously with flatmates um I come home and they're like oh how was your day and I'm like I am just gonna go for a shower Mm. talking for 20 minutes and then I will be a bit more human yeah and I don't want anyone listening to think that we're complaining about our jobs or anything we're really <laughs> lucky to be doing what we do and we really yeah. love what we do genuinely yeah yeah it's yeah. like anyone who even has like I don't know, a nine-to-five job even you know sometimes you just have bad days yeah and I mean yeah it is yeah it is important to reiterate that I feel like being an osteopath is a very like privilege it's a very privileged position to be in um and you ha yeah you have to like respect that so after lockdown I treated this patient and it was an, an elderly gentleman and he was like so appreciative to have the treatment because he'd not had any human contact because he'd been shielding for like nearly 12 weeks and he came in the second time and he was like yeah I just felt so good after my treatment and it was just because somebody had like spent the time just to talk to him and like that hands-on like um, touch and therapy as well like it's yeah it's it's a it's a privileged like job and position to be in because you're yeah. with people and you're helping people yeah it's amazing when it goes right it's amazing <laughs> yeah, so true when it goes right I love that um so what were your I know we've sort of touched upon this but like what were your expectations after graduating did you have ideas of what you'd be doing how you'd be working and is that the same to what you're doing now it's, it's really interesting like after graduating like I didn't kind of didn't really know like have a plan I was like yeah okay I'll just start this job um and we'll see what happens but then a few weeks leading up to me starting they sent like um me a sh like an email saying okay uh what are your expectations uh what are your what are your plans and i think i was on holiday with my family and my mum and dad are like um project uh managers you know like in there they're very much like okay let's get a spreadsheet out an excel document and we'll write down like your <laughs> your aims <laughs> And your like two year plan, one year plan, like what are your aims for like your osteopathic profession or your like business profession. Um, so I actually ended up making like a bit of a, like, do you call them like aims or objectives? Like what I want to have achieved by achievements by like six months or 12 months or a year. And I was actually looking at it the other day and I've like ticked off a fair few things. So I shared it with my 
my managers. Um, so the main one was that like, I wanted to get like a patient list. I wanted to have like, I said a full patient list. I don't really know what that means because I don't know how you get a full patient list. Um, but to be treating a certain amount of patients a month and to understand how the business runs and to also become a Pilates instructor, which I achieved. Well done. <laughs> yeah. <That's> so exciting. <laughs> so that seemed sound like it was pretty good to have done that a year on to come out of lockdown having achieved that. Cause that was my aim actually. I, I, um, was learning with the, the APPI school, so the Australian Physiotherapy and Pilates Institute. So it's a little bit more clinical Pilates than maybe the class, more classical Pilates, I think. Mm. Um, and that has really helped my like exercise prescription, rehab, like understanding. Um, and it's really fun to do. Isn't it? And yeah. we have sessions <laughs> together, so I know how yeah. good you are at it as well. So, <laughs> And obviously Pilates runs through my blood, so I, yeah. I, I absolutely love it. It's a hot topic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think for me, my aims or like expectations were to just get good at doing osteopathy. Like I wasn't going to go and try and specialise down into any area. I knew that I wanted to, um, to learn and be able to teach Pilates. So I knew that I wanted to do that within the first year, but I didn't really see that as like, that was kind of an add-on, not really like uh, going down to specialising. And still now, I don't really know if I want to specialise down into any particular area. I just want to get really good at what I'm doing. So that was kind of like a very broad goal for me to try and reach. Um, and I think that will take many, many, many years, but <laughs> it's a start. Yeah, I think that's really important because often at least when you graduate, you have all these ideas and you want to do pediatrics or you want to specialize in visual and those are all really good um, sort of branches and add-ons to it. But I think sometimes you just need the time to get your hands on patients, to develop your own practice, mm. to understand what you like, what you don't mm. and where you want to go with it. Really. Mm. Because mm. like you said before, it is such a privileged profession and there are so many things you can do with it that it's almost... It feels infinite and you're never going to know everything. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just spending that time sort of rooted, it sounds like you had really, you know, your parents were really good at grounding you in that way. Yeah, no, they were amazing. Saying, yeah. Okay, let's get a spreadsheet out what you're aiming. <laughs> like, I don't think any parents are doing that. I don't think my parents would have done that. <laughs> my mum knows how to work an iPad now, so maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but that is so them, though. That is their, like, line of work. So actually, yeah, um, I was very appreciative of that because it came, kind of gave me, like, a bit of a timeline and something to work towards. And then I can look back at it when it gets to August when I've been working for a year, like, oh, cool, like, I have actually achieved some stuff because you can kind of just keep plodding on and keep going and going and going. And then, like, it's, you're, like, feeling tired and work's just getting a bit much and, like, why am I doing this? What have I achieved? What have I done? And then, actually, when you look back at it, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing yeah. all right. And being able to meet those aims, especially in a year like 2020 has been. Yeah. Um, that's huge, I think, because I think a lot of my aims have just been paused. <laughs> it's not going to happen this year. Or if it is, it, it's going to happen very late this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's, it's been a crazy year 
been a great. Yeah. And so, what do you think? You know, you talked about sort of the the, the having that little bit of a break mm. during COVID and the lockdown to sort of think about your self care and things like that. Mm. Have you come away from anything else from having that break that you think, okay, this is this is what I want to do and this is how I want to change? If there was anything you wanted to change, um, I think. Yeah, during lockdown, I was very much like, I need to get my work-life balance in order. Um, I need to have more life and more work. Um, and I need to just take things a lot slower, like try not to rush through my day um, whilst at work, you know, not just to like come out at the end of the day, like, wow, what just happened? And, um, and also, less so during lockdown but more within the past six weeks like I kind of had this like realization that patients don't need to get better after like the second or third treatment <laughs> and it's not a failure if they don't and it's okay if they're still coming back after the third fourth treatment saying yeah I'm still in pain and like and then that, and that's okay because I think I was really like, giving myself a really hard time when patients would come back and they would be like after the first or second treatment like no I'm still in pain like and I would really take that on myself I'd be like oh I'm not good at this what am I doing I don't have any idea what I'm doing maybe I should just refer them on to somebody else who's got more experience but I don't know why I was thinking about it but it kind of just came into my head the other day and I was like ah okay yeah that's fine like <laughs> people won't just get better like that like I haven't got magic hands you know like it it, it will take its time um but the, the, the thing about the work-life balance, yeah, it kind of hasn't happened after lockdown. But that's a, that's a work in progress for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it kind of made me think, like, where do I see myself in, like, the next two years or maybe the next five years? Like, what do I really want to be doing? And since doing the Pilates, I definitely want to be incorporating that more into my practice. And I'd really love to do, like, maybe a 50-50 split of like osteo and pilates in general um but that might take a few years to to do um and i think further down the line i'd eventually like to either be part of like expanding the business that i'm already in like maybe um yeah being more like managerial have a managerial role or opening up my own place, wherever that might be. But that's further, further down the line. Um, yeah, I think that answered your question. Yeah, I've asked a lot of questions. <laughs> and what I really like about the Pilates, at least for me, is that it's not so intense on your hands as well. Yeah, so yeah. It gives you that bit of a break yeah, from yeah. your hands at least. Mm -hmm. And you're still correcting people and, you know, maneuvering people, of course, but it's, you know, because after a full day, like, yeah, you're yeah, tired, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, I mean, um, I've, I haven't done that many one-to-one -one Pilates sessions yet. I've only done a few since lockdown, uh, and they have been really good fun because it's, yeah, less hands-on. It's a lot easier on the body, <laughs> um, and you can kind of chill out a little bit and make the patient do all the work <laughs> it's nice just like what i do on zoom i just sit here and then i tell people what to do great <laughs> in my pilates sessions i mean in case anyone um 
<laughs> I really want to get you back and really explore that whole journey for into glasses. I think that's because mm, mm. we've trained with different companies to see what yeah. it's like and how you integrate Pilates into your rehab, into your osteopathy. Yeah. It's one thing that we definitely have a bit of, of, of experience with, of course, when we're at, at school, but mm. there's not a huge emphasis on rehabilitation no. in comparison to say physiotherapists, for example, yeah. are amazing at it. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, there's kind of a big gap, isn't there? Um, and you learn as you go along, but mm. I feel like there's this, some, at least when you start off, there's this inequality between what physiotherapists know in terms of rehabilitation, what we know initially, yeah. and yeah. you sort of just can catch up. So Pilates is such a great modality in which to administer that, and you have all these different levels at which you can, you know, you can tailor. Yeah, for the and I think that was because I kind of went into learning about Pilates and doing the courses without really knowing too much. Um, and I, I, the courses were amazing. They were just three lots of two day courses um, that you could do up like osteopaths and physiotherapists because already do because they've already got that like background, anatomical, physiological like um, knowledge. And for me, it was mainly physios that were on the course as well. So I was like maybe one of two or three other osteos on the course. And it was so interesting actually learning from them and, and like listening to what they had to say about rehabilitation and exercise prescription. Cause I felt that was really why I wanted to go on and do Pilates because I felt there was a real lack in my knowledge and that I was just prescribing the same like handful of exercises to my patients. And I really like, wanted to be able to give my patients the best like opportunity to do like work outside of the clinic room so I felt like what I was giving them to do outside of the clinic like the clinical setting wasn't that great so it was it was a really great experience learning from the physios because yeah. their knowledge was just so much more than what we were taught yeah and was that purely sort of math work stuff yeah, all mat work. Yeah, all mat work. Wait till you get on the equipment. It's so much fun. <laughs> Let's, we, we have to have like a whole dedicated episode. Dedicated episode <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, I love it, but then I'm a bit biased. So. No, I'd I've never done it before. I'd love to. We need to get you on equipment. Yeah. You're going to love it. And when you get on some of the other pieces and you can see how detailed and 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 intricate those movements can be. It's just, it just opens up this whole world. Cool. Like, I, I was trying not to think of Aladdin there. I was like, <laughs> don't, don't say it. Don't say a whole new world. Because um, <laughs> obviously, because I can't sing as well. But <laughs> coming back then, is there anything that you wish you had known or you'd say to somebody? Because obviously we've been, you know, a year or so in practice now. Yeah. Um, take. Is there anything that you wish you had known when you graduated that you've learned and developed? Um, I think like what I was saying earlier is that about that um, whole thing of that you patients don't have to get better after treating them for like one, two, three, four sessions. Like don't set way too high expectations of yourself and that it's okay that they don't get better like you you can't treat everything um 
I think that was the main thing. And I've only just realized that in the past <laughs> few weeks. So, <laughs> yeah. So in a way, we were lucky that COVID, not that we were lucky COVID happened, I should rephrase mm. that. We were lucky that we, some people were able to get that break because of the lockdown situation in which to, you know, be a bit more reflective and just yeah. reprioritize things that sometimes, you know, you just, you get on this sort of train and you keep going until mm. somebody mm. says stop and somebody said stop this year. Yeah. <laughs> They were like, everyone get out and we'll see you in a couple of months. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, what makes you sort of, where do you draw your energy from? Where, who inspires you sort of, not just like within, well, let's just say within osteopathy, even with outside of the profession, where do you derive your inspiration from? Where do you keep going? In terms of like, Keep Just your interests, yeah, where, what are you interested in? What CPD have you done that's been really interesting? Or So I think the, yeah, the main CPD that I've been doing is the Pilates stuff because that I've been doing that since December, November. So yeah, that, for me that that's been my main cpd actually over the past few few months so mm. i've got a fly in my glasses um, um and i think yeah that was bit that has recently been giving me lots of like inspiration and has i feel developed um, my like practice in a way um, I use that on, I, I use it on nearly every patient. I'm like, at the end of the session, now I'm just going to give you a little Pilates based exercise. <laughs> and some, are, some are like rolling their eyes, like, no, get lost. And others are really like intrigued because you can really go into like so much detail with it. And it makes sense for a lot of patients. Um, and Pilates has probably been like spoken to them or like the word has been like spoken to them many many times they're like oh okay here's somebody talking to me about it that's got a little bit of knowledge about it and they're gonna show um, it yeah yeah um so that's probably the most interesting thing like cpd wise i've been doing recently like sometimes like as cliche as it sounds i get my energy from the patients sometimes even though occasionally they wear you out and they are like exhausting and some of them come in really negative and they take all of your energy others like really do give you energy um when things go right and you help them or when they're like appreciative of what you do um and they get better like that gives you that can give me quite a lot of energy like when you've had a good day in clinic, you're like, yeah, come on, bring it on. <laughs> but then on the opposite side of that, when you've had a really bad day and there's been patients that really drain your energy, then yeah, you have to get your, you get your like inspiration and energy from outside of work. Yeah. For me, it's chocolate. <laughs> I think like for me, the main thing is that like, that it is a really privileged job to be working in and to, to, to be able to be that person or to be there for a person when they're in a space that's like out of their control or like quite um has quite a lot of fear attached to it and just to be able to educate the person in a way like just share your knowledge that's quite like a for me it's 
quite an important and privileged thing to be able to do. It's not necessarily sometimes your hands-on that helps. It's just making things clear for them that actually the pain that they're feeling isn't all that bad and it's not anything like really serious. They're not going to die. And it's really important and to be able to use like the right vocabulary um, to comfort people. And I think for me, yeah, it's a privileged. Yeah, privilege is the right word because it sums up everything that encapsulates being able to talk to people, to help people, to feel fulfilled. Yeah. um, And that we don't take it for granted. I have to say, during lockdown, I didn't really do much CPD. Like I got back to work and everyone was talking about what CPD they'd signed up to. And I was like, kind of like, oh crap. Yeah, maybe I should have been doing that. <laughs> like work organized one or two sessions, a really interesting one on ankylosing spondylitis that just showed that everything we learned at uni was just so out of date. <laughs> but you know, give us, gives us like the basic, basic foundation. Um, and they organize like a communication and consent um, CPD, which as boring as it sounded, was actually like really good because I don't really feel like we were taught it that well at school. Like it was kind of, um, it was drilled into us that we needed to do it. We needed to do it properly, but we weren't really given the words on how to properly ask for to do like a neck manipulation or thoracic lumbar. Um, so they were quite good. But in terms of like, where do I draw my energy from and my in- energy from? That's a good one. I, I haven't really thought about that. Something uh, probably like cliche or like my partner, Finn, my family. Um, yeah, I don't really know. In terms of just like to keep going and yeah, and yeah probably Finn mainly. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> important too. Yeah, <laughs> he's an important guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I had so much fun just talking to yeah. you. Yeah, um, it's been good fun. Yeah, especially since we haven't seen each other in ages. I know, yeah. Wow. Where can people find you either in practice or on social media? Um, So I'm not on any social media in terms of like work stuff, but I'm working at the Body Tonic Clinic and I work from their Canada Water branch, so Southeast London, and also in their Stratford branch, so in East London. Perfect. I'm there five days a week, Tuesday to Saturday. Nice. And I can attest to your skills because obviously we treated each other when we lived together and it was, I mean, I, I loved it. So yeah. Thank I'm, you. <laughs> I'm very envious of the patients I get to come in and just be in a room with you. And because what I remember from uni is you were just ridiculously smart. And, oh. <laughs> and I just remember like, oh my God, how does she remember all this stuff? Um, so if they're getting a fraction of what I receive from you, they are oh, very, you. very good hands. Thank you. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, and pleasure. Hopefully we'll see each other soon. Yeah, we should yeah. do. We should meet up. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs>